he has for you an unbreakable eternal love that he is absolutely committed to and he will not let you go and he will not desert you and he will not give you up. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. Turn with me, please, in your Bible to the Old Testament book of Ruth, chapter 2, as we read together verses 13 to 23. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, dip it in the wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. And she got up to glean. And as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. And then she threshed the barley she had gathered. It amounted to an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. And Ruth also brought out and gave her what, what she had left over after she'd eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she said. That man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finished harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Amen, and we trust that God will bless to us this reading of his word. Let's go back to the end of chapter 1, and there we discover... So Naomi returned from Moab, I'm reading chapter 1, verse 22. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Now let me encourage you to jump over verse 1 of chapter 2 and come to verse 2 and read, And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone else in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, 
she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, whenever you're introduced to a new character, you need to pay attention. But what you discover here is this, that verse 3 says, as it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. And that is familiar for this reason. Because in verse 1, look at that if you can drop back. Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And the question that's probably uppermost in your mind if you've been following it, and it's not been easy to follow, is this. In verse 1, we're introduced to Boaz, a man of standing of the clan of Elimelech. And then in verse 3, in quick succession, one after the other, we're introduced to Boaz again. And so the question is this, why does the author of Ruth feel it is so significant to introduce Boaz in verse 1 and then almost repeat identical language in verse 3? What is going on? Now please remember, the author of the book of Ruth did not have the technological sophistication today to put up three screens all at the one time and then ask us to keep an eye on each of them all at the same time. So in order to put a literary mechanism in there that will get our attention, biblical writers often will repeat themselves in quick succession. And by doing so, they're saying this, Pay attention. Something significant is about to happen. Don't miss this. The temptation here, of course, is to get caught up with Naomi and Ruth because they are fascinating, compelling characters. Two widows who have lost their husbands and Naomi has lost two of her sons. She comes back to Bethlehem and of course she says, do not call me Naomi. I left full. I have come back empty. The Lord has been very bitter to me. And of course you want to know what's happening. How will they survive? How will they get by? How will they have a home to live in? How will they feed themselves? Who is going to look after them? And so as you're reading the story, and it is developing quickly, you're asking all these questions. Now, having said, whenever you come across Boaz, pay attention. Because we know what Naomi and Ruth did not know. We know that whenever God brings a new individual into the life of a biblical character, it's not a thing of chance or happenstance or luck, but God is at work. And notice what happens. When Ruth responds to Boaz, who has been incredibly kind to her, she says, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord? You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to me. And Boaz has indeed. He is a remarkable and uh, individual. In fact, as you know from the text, he says to his own foreman and his own workers, now, you know, of course, to leave margins round the field so folks without anything can glean and pick up enough food to feed themselves. And if by chance Ruth wanders into the real area of harvest, 
Don't embarrass her. Don't correct her. Don't pick up on anything she's doing that's wrong. Please don't do that. Just let her go on about her day. And what you're seeing here, of course, is remarkable kindness. You're seeing sensitivity. You're seeing thoughtfulness. And of course, what you're seeing is that Boaz, having been touched by the grace of God, is eager to be thoughtful and concerned towards others. Now, why can we say that Boaz has been touched by the grace of God? How do we know he is someone special? We've basically just been introduced to him. Well, if you were here last Sunday, you will know this, that when Boaz rides up to the farm, and he, or to the field rather, and he speaks to his workers and his foremen, the first thing he says to them is this, the Lord be with you. Now, there's nothing disingenuous in that. There's nothing artificial. It is Boaz's natural, instinctive response to people he loves and cares for. And it tells you he's someone quite special. And then we see it being worked out in his life by the way he cares for Ruth. And he's so impressed when he finds out about Ruth. Of course, he asks his own workers and he says, now, who is this? Where did she come from? And of course, they begin to tell the story of Naomi. And he's so impressed, he looks after her the rest of the day. Now, notice what comes next. Verse 17. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. And then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. And Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Now, what's about to take place next shows Naomi as a typical mother-in-law. Verse 19, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? And of course, she's full of all these questions. She's incredulous. She sees 30 pounds of grain come to her little home. Now, if you're asking yourself, now, Richard, give us a sense of what 30 pounds might look like. Go home, get 10 bags of sugar, put them on the kitchen worktop and try to balance them and carry them out to the car and see how you get on. That is not an easy thing to do. That's a lot of weight. And here is Ruth, this young widow, having, of course, processed it. She has a 30-pound bag. That's a lot of grain. And she comes in and she puts it down. And Naomi is just incredulous. She wants to know the detail, like any mother-in-law. Now, tell me what you said. Tell me what he said. Tell me what was said then. What happened when he gave you the grain? How did you process it? And all the questions are going on. She wants to know because she loves Ruth. And she's concerned. And she wants to know what's happened. And then notice her response. What does she say? Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Now let me pause for a second. And the question is, what has happened to Naomi. 
Because the last time we see Naomi speaking at any length is the end of chapter 1. And at the end of chapter 1, when she comes walking down the hill into Bethlehem, some of her friends whom she'd known as a wee girl, some of her neighbors were there to greet her. And they said to her, are you Naomi? Are you really Naomi? And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I went away full and I have come back empty. And the Lord has allowed all sorts of bitter experiences into my life. Remember, this is still screen one. But some time has passed. And the Lord has now provided in a superabundant way. And what is her instinctive response to seeing all of this grain? Verse 20, when she hears of Boaz, she says, the Lord bless him. Now, you know why she's saying that? Because she's been worried about Ruth. She's been praying about the future. How will we get by? There was no social security, no unemployment benefit, two widows on their own, no future. And here is Naomi beginning to change because the great reversal has begun. Screen three, God is at work. And he's at work in remarkable ways. Notice what Naomi says. Verse 20 again. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. That word kindness is the Hebrew word hesed. If you take notes in the margin of your Bible or you're taking notes this morning or you're watching us on television and you're trying to follow this study, underline the word kindness and write in the margin hesed, H-E-S-E-D. It appears over 250 times in the Old Testament. And it doesn't simply mean kindness. It doesn't mean thoughtfulness. It doesn't simply mean consideration. This is not about being affable, amenable, polite. The word hesed means this, God's loving kindness. And his loving kindness is a reflection of his character and his nature. In other words, it means this, he cannot be anything other than loving kindness. Today, we would talk about the grace of God, which encompasses his character and his nature. And Naomi is making this point. Whenever you come across the word hesed throughout the Old Testament, it transcends thoughtfulness, consideration, genuine concern, and it transcends it and it highlights the supernatural love of God. And it means this, God's covenant love. Now, Presbyterians make a huge deal out of God's covenant 
love. And we make a huge deal out of God's covenant love because the Bible makes a great deal out of God's covenant love. And if you go way back to Genesis, when God speaks to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, he reminds them again and again and again in these terms. And he says to them this, I am your God and you will be my people. And for the rest of your days, I will love you and I will never let you go and I will never let you down and I will never abandon you. And God's covenant love means this. It means a strong, unbreakable, personal commitment of love that God is absolutely committed to despite what it will cost him. Now, let me say that again because there's a lot wrapped up in it and that's why we take it so serious. seriously. Hesed is a reflection of God's covenant love which is a strong personal, unbreakable bond that God will keep for infinity despite what it costs him personally. And that last part is put in there to remind us of Calvary. There is no greater expression of his love than Christ going to the cross for us. But in the millennia leading up to the cross, it is his covenant love that we are asked to remember. And that is what's wrapped up in Naomi's response when she says of God, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She is saying this, he can be trusted now remember back here on screen one, that was not how she felt when she came back from Moab. You remember that? But God has been working in her soul and he's been introducing her to the great reversal and he's bringing her to the point that her daughter-in-law comes home and throws in the kitchen table 30 pounds of grain that will feed them for a long time, so much so, in fact, they'll be able to sell some off in order to have other resources, establish a home, and begin to be a family once again. All of that is wrapped up in here. Now, two or three weeks ago, when Naomi and Ruth were grieving the loss of their husbands, and Naomi, the loss of her two sons. Remember what we said? That the pain was so debilitating, so devastating, that Naomi could only say, the Lord has been bitter to me. But please hear this. Keep an eye on the third screen, because what God is about to do in the life of Naomi and Ruth is this, the best is yet to come. And Naomi and Ruth couldn't see it. He has for you an unbreakable, eternal love that he is 
absolutely committed to, and he will not let you go, and he will not desert you, and he will not give you up to the circumstance and emotion of the moment. He will never abandon you to your own sin and your own selfishness because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. And you ought to be so excited to understand that you are overwhelmed and refreshed and renewed because of that love. And despite the circumstances of Naomi and Ruth, God was at work all over again. Now, let me wrap up with this. When we started a new study of Ruth four Sundays or so ago, we said this. The book of Ruth contains no miracles. There is no parting of the Red Sea. There is no burning bush. There is no divine dreams at night. But please hear this. That God, on screen three, was working in and through these normal, everyday kind of people in the most, on the one hand, mundane situations of uprooting a family, moving to a new place to live, and then some of the most challenging of circumstances, death in the family, not once, but three times. And now, finally, at last, God, is working in and through the life of Naomi and Ruth. And why? Because there is nothing mundane or ordinary about Naomi and Ruth. There is nothing mundane or ordinary about you. Because when he loves you, he loves you to the uttermost. And you cannot possibly be mundane and ordinary when God Almighty, Father, Son, and Spirit loves you for eternity. There is nothing ordinary and mundane. And please hear this. Next Sunday, when we come back and we get into chapter 3, and in subsequent Sundays get into chapter 4, please hear this. While we are watching screens 1 and 2, and when we are fascinated by Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and what is about to take place as they get to know each other and ultimately fall in love, please hear this. God is concerned about the eternal redemption of humanity. That's what God has his eye on. And he's working in and through these ordinary, everyday people. So three words to give you as we wrap up this morning. And it's this. Naomi and Ruth, impacted by all that God is doing, the great reversal has touched their lives. And you know this. Number one, they are now reassessing their relationship with their heavenly father. And we see it in the words of Naomi. Reassessing the relationship. And whatever week you have ahead. I cannot help but wonder. 
if you need to take note and write down this week, I need to prayerfully reassess my relationship with him. Number two, refocus your daily priorities simply because you now want to live and submit and surrender every day to him. So the first is to reassess your relationship. Secondly, refocus your daily priorities. And thirdly, redirect your life accordingly. Because it is not enough to leave here encouraged and strengthened on Sunday morning if you never put it into practice. It's not enough. When Boaz sees Ruth, he immediately takes action because the gospel has impacted his life. Ruth is committed to Naomi because she saw in Naomi the love and grace of God. And she said, never will I leave you or forsake you. Where you go, I will go. And where you die, I will die. Your God will be my God. If her faith does not impact her daily living, folks, please hear me. We are kidding ourselves on. And so reassess, refocus, redirect because when we are there the best is yet to come amen Amen. let's pray together father thank you for this incredibly challenging and comforting and equipping passage of scripture help us please this week to live in in the light of all that we have learned. Help us to reassess our relationship with you. Help us to sense you at work in our lives. Secondly, help us to redirect our lives each day in order that we might be obedient to you. Father, thank you for your eternal love for us. Bless us, we ask, for we ask it in Jesus' name. First Presbyterian Church of Greenville invites you to a celebration of freedom as we worship and thank God for our spiritual liberty. Services include favorite anthems and hymns and a message by Dr. Richard Gibbons.